We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Another day is here and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. minutes a day 365 days a year this is the pack a day podcast what's going on everybody welcome back to another episode of the pack a day podcast i am your host andy herman you can follow me on twitter at andy herman nfl hope your week is going well and really appreciate you joining me today Today, we're going to be going over some potential Jets players that could be heading back or heading to Green Bay in a potential trade with Aaron Rodgers. Unfortunately, we still have no absolute resolution to the Rodgers, Jets, Packers situation. We don't have a deal completed as of yet. This is something that could go on a little while. I still expect it to get done sooner rather than later. As I've mentioned before, it just sort of behooves everyone, the Packers, Jordan Love, Aaron Rodgers, the Jets, just to kind of get this finalized and done with. So I'm hopeful it's going to come with a resolution sooner rather than later. But as of right now, that is still not the case. So we're going to go over some potential New York Jets that could be coming to Green Bay in that specific trade. We'll go over that in just a moment. Before we get there, we did have some news and notes from Monday. First of all, it was noted by Jordan Love's quarterbacks coach or his specific off-season quarterbacks coach that he is going to be training with some Green Bay Packers coming up. He's already been training a little bit with Romeo Dobbs, but Christian Watson and Aaron Jones are both going to be going down to California to train with Jordan Love as well. And we don't need to make a ton of commentary here about what's happened the last couple of seasons with Aaron. And listen, I'm a firm believer that when we got to the end of the, you know, what the divisional round game against the San Francisco 49ers and the Packers lost in brutal fashion, I don't think anyone was going back and be like, man, 
If Aaron was just at mini camps and OTAs, those mandatory ports, if he was just there, they would have won that game. And I don't think if Aaron would have been there last year, maybe, you know, maybe it helps in a game or two. And I think it certainly would have helped the team, but I don't think, you know, just because Aaron would have been at OTAs or mini camps, those mandatory portions or doing maybe some of this stuff, I don't think it's going to change a eight, nine season into a Super Bowl run. Right. But I do think that this stuff is inherently helpful. And I do think that seeing it happen with Jordan Love, especially where he's at in his career, and especially with him taking over the reins of franchise quarterback right now, I do think that additional time with Christian Watson and Romeo Dobbs and Aaron Jones is all going to be extremely helpful for him. And if nothing else, what a great move by Dobbs. And Dobbs and, and Love have worked out in the past, so that's nothing new. But to, to have Watson and Aaron Jones go down there and just work with them and show that support as well, it just those are just things that you absolutely love to see. So super excited about that for Love to get that work with his teammates before OTAs, minicamps, all that stuff even kicks off. So how amazing is that for Packer fans. Meanwhile, Packers did make a couple re-signings official. One of them was Rudy Ford, which we knew about already. The other is, surprise, surprise, another special teams player, and that is Corey Ballantine. And I think it went a little bit under the radar, just how much, you know, Corey Ballantine played on special teams towards the end of last year. Uh, just as an example, with that kick return by Keyshawn Nixon against the Vikings, guess who's in on that return? Corey Ballantine. And he had a major role you know, at the end of that season on the Packers special teams. He did get a little bit of time at defensive back. It didn't go great, but I, I think this is, as I mentioned the other day, if you didn't catch my episode over the weekend about special teams and all the players that Rich Bisacci is bringing back, Green Bay has very limited resources right now for what they can spend in free agency. It's not like they can go out and get a top-tier playmaker. It's not like they can go out and get a top-tier pass rush specialist on the defensive side of the ball. What they can do is they can keep the core of their special teams together. And what they can do is go out and make a signing like Tavarius Moore. They can go get a long snapper, those sort of things to continue the progression of this special teams that we saw with Rich Passaccia a season ago. Hopefully keep that momentum going. It's not like Green Bay and Rich Passaccia last year had a top five special teams or a top 10, or I don't think even a top 15. However, we saw massive leaps and bounds, especially towards the end of last season from where the special teams was as what I would consider maybe the worst special teams I've ever seen in 2021 to some doing some pretty special stuff towards the end of 2022, especially with Keyshawn Nixon on the return unit. So being able to keep that momentum moving forward, adding some guys onto the special teams, a new long snapper to various more as a core special teams player and bringing guys back like Rudy Ford and Keyshawn Nixon and now Corey Ballantine and Tyler Davis. Those things are really important to the core of the special team. So I'm very, very excited that this is the direction that they continue to go. It shows the pull that Rich Passaccia has. It shows that they are making a serious investment into special teams. And all of those things to me are positives. And even if some of these guys are only back for one season, in, it does show to me that they're going to continue to progress this in the right direction. And I do believe that that will pay dividends in 23, 24, 25, 26, and hopefully beyond. Now, Justice Mosqueda did note, if you're just interested so far as to what type of snaps all of these players are playing, again, Rudy Ford, uh, Tyler Davis, Keyshawn Nixon, Tervarius Moore, and then uh, the long snapper Orzek, as well as Corey Ballantine. Last year, those players combined played 175 snaps of offense, 789 snaps of defense and 1152 snaps of special teams. So it just goes to show you 
These are core special teams players. They're not huge playmakers on offense or defense, but they are going to be able to help the bottom line when it comes to special teams. Now, speaking of uh, Ozrek, Orzek, excuse me, the new long snapper, his deal came in. We finally saw the numbers on that. Three years, 3.7 million. It is basically vet minimum, vet minimum, vet minimum over the next three seasons, which is what you love to see for a long snapper. They did give him a $300 signing bonus on top of that. So what that should tell you is that Orzek has a probably a inherent advantage to make the team as the long snapper this year. But if all of a sudden Jack Coco or any undrafted long snapper that they would maybe bring in or any competition would just beat him in camp, it is very easy to move on from him. And yes, it would be a bummer to pay 300K in dead cap for a long snapper that you just had during training camp and he gets beat out. But that's those type of deals happen all the time with every team in the NFL. And sometimes they just don't work out the way that you expected to in training camp. And it's better to move on and just keep the better player than be like, well, we gave him 3K so we, or 300K, so we just have to keep him. So this is going to be a competition. If you look at it right now, uh, Orzek would get 1.18 million this upcoming season against the salary cap. Meanwhile, Jack Coco would only count 870k against the salary cap. So that would make you think, all right, if everything is equal, why wouldn't you just keep Jack Coco? He's about 300k less. Well, because you gave Orzek a 300k signing bonus that would immediately accelerate to the salary cap if you released him, that goes basically on top of that 870k for Coco if you would keep him. So if you would keep Orzek and release Coco, you'd have 1.18 million against the cap. If you would keep Coco and release Orzek, you'd have 1.17 million against the cap. So it's almost exactly identical. So this is literally going to be best man wins, let them battle it out in training camp. And whoever is ultimately the best long snapper will ultimately be on the team this upcoming season. So you love to see the minimums. It's a 300K signing bonus, nothing exorbitant. And now you're going to be able to have a real true competition. And I don't think Jack Coco is a lock to make it past, you know, undrafted free agency or the draft either. If all of a sudden, you know, with one of their late round picks, they see another long snapper they like, or if they just more likely pick one up in undrafted free agency, maybe after a tryout. I don't think Coco is a lock to make it into training camp. But as of right now, if those two are just battling it out head to head, there's basically no real advantage for either player. And whoever is just the best long snapper would certainly win that battle. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. So 
That brings us to our main topic for today, and that is the Aaron Rodgers trade and potential players that could come back from the New York Jets in that trade. So the trade's still not done. Compensation can certainly be tricky, which is what's holding this up at this point. A lot of the focus and a lot of my focus so far has been on draft capital and what draft picks that you could get in exchange. And I will say that that's more likely to be the case is that your focus still on draft capital, maybe some, you know, compensatory, not compensatory picks, but um, conditional picks based on what happens over the course of the next couple seasons. But you could always, if you can't agree to specific draft picks that would make the most sense, you could start talking about players that would make sense as well. So that's what we're going to be going over today. There are three reasons why players may not want to you know, be added to this deal or why it might just not work. The first is that it could just complicate matters when it comes to passing physicals and actually getting this deal completed once you've actually agreed to terms. I think one of the last things that you would want is the next step in this process to be the Jets and the Packers agree to a trade and it's like Aaron Rodgers and maybe you know some late round pick or something like that to the Jets for some draft capital plus a player or two players and then all of a sudden one of those Jets players gets to Green Bay takes their physical and doesn't pass and now you have to void the deal or and like start over from scratch and refigure out something new so for that reason you might just want to say like hey, let's not put any other players into this. That's going to complicate matters even more. We don't want to have to have players pass physicals. Let's just get this to Rodgers for you know draft picks and we'll get, kind of move on from there so that we know once this deal is 100% done and like agreed upon, it's just done and we don't have to worry about any of that stuff. The second thing is that agreeing on compensation for players can be inherently hard. And the reason that that is is a lot of times you care about the value that you've put into the players already more than what the opposing team does. Like they probably don't want that player as much as you do because you have some sort of attachment there. And coming to an agreement on what the value of that player is can be very difficult. I'm going to be talking about a third round pick from the Jets in just a moment from last season who barely played a season ago, but could be a fit for Green Bay. The Jets could view it as, hey, we just spent a third round pick on him a season ago and we still value him as a third round pick. The Packers might say, hey, he was a third round pick last year. He barely played in 2022. If you shop him around right now, he's probably closer to like a fifth, sixth, maybe even seventh round value at this point. And the Jets might just say, well, if that's the case, we'll just keep him. The Packers are saying, if you're going to charge us third round value for that guy, you just keep him. So there can be a disconnect between what team A thinks their player is worth and what team B thinks that player is worth. And a lot of times that disconnect is why a lot of these player deals or especially player for player deals don't happen because it's very difficult to come to an agreement on what a player that you already own is worth to a team that hasn't owned that player, hasn't developed that player, hasn't put any time, effort, energy, or resources into that player, etc. It's just usually two different minds that think differently for what the value for that player should be. And then last but not least, if you do a player for player swap, right? What are the Packers going to want? They're going to want a good football player in return. And what are the Jets not going to want to give up in a year that they are clearly going all in with Aaron Rodgers this year? A good football player. They want as many good football players on this team in 2023 right now because they are trying to compete for a championship immediately. 
So they they want their talented players. They don't want to give those guys up because that hurts their upcoming championship window. I'm sure the Jets would rather give future draft assets than give up players that can help them right now. That pick 13 is something that can help them right now. Their window, as we've noted, is 2023. So anything that's going to take away from 2023 isn't something that the Jets are probably going to want. But you know, any, th- any player that's not ready right now is probably just not a very good player. And Green Bay is not going to have a ton of value for that player either. So Green Bay is going to want good players in return. And the Jets are going to be very much against giving good players to Green Bay. Because again, that's going to hurt their current Super Bowl window, which right now is simply 2023. So those are the things that are going to make a player for player trade difficult in this situation. That said, I do think there are some players from the Jets that could just ultimately make some sense. There have been multiple names that have been talked about in blogs and on written articles and on Twitter and social media and everywhere else. So I'm going to go through five different categories of players on the Jets today. And I'm going to make it pretty quick, at least in the first ones, and then we're going to go through the legit options. But I'm going to talk over the players that have no chance of coming to Green Bay, the the players that are extremely unlikely to come to Green Bay, some players that are possible, but probably complicated and unlikely to come to Green Bay, some players who could be considered just throw-ins in a deal that maybe could make sense, and then five in my final group will be the legit group of players that I think could have legitimate value to Green Bay, could be included in the deal, and something could work in that capacity. So let me start with the players that are just off the table right now. Those players right now for the Jets, and there are probably some other ones as well, but these are the maybe some names that have been bandied about in you know different uh, chat groups and those sort of things. Garrett Wilson, Quinnen Williams, Sauce Gardner, Brees Hall, and I'm going to even throw Alan Lazard on there. How great would that be, by the way, if the Packers said, uh, we'll trade you Aaron, but the player that we want most in return is Alan Lazard. We want that guy. He's the guy that we want back. That would be hilarious, by the way, but that's clearly not going to happen. So no chance of happening. Garrett Wilson, Quinn and Williams, Sauce Gardner, Brees Hall, and we'll throw Alan Lazard on that list as well. Just can't see any scenario where those players are coming back. Really quickly, And if you're a Jets fan, plug your ears. And I'm not really being serious. This isn't going to happen. But I did think a little bit about who would say no to a Aaron Rodgers and pick 15 for Garrett Wilson deal. And just hear me out for a very, very quick second. And this is just for fun. I'm not being totally serious here. But all right, for Green Bay, right, to be able to have a Jordan, like the wide receiver group that you're starting with for Jordan Love, be Garrett Wilson, Christian Watson, Romeo Dobbs, Samore Toure, Aaron Jones, AJ Dillon at running back, like just go out and find like an Austin Hooper or somebody at tight end, like, holy cow, you've got some immediate firepower on offense for Jordan Love. How fun would that be? Yes, giving up pick 15 plus Aaron Rodgers would be a little bit steep, but I'm, I will re- readily do that for Green Bay right now for Garrett Wilson. He is that freaking good. And I think Green Bay, that would be a lot of fun. Now from the Jets side of things, not only do you have to give up any draft picks, but for the wide receiver group, let's just say they can get Odell Beckham. Let's just say that that's the case because that's been talked about a little bit. So they get Odell Beckham. They already have Alan Lazard. They have Corey Davis. In this scenario, they're able to keep you know all of their wide receivers, their, their Elijah Moores, their Denzel Mims, etc. So, and you have picked 13 and 15. If you wanted to go out and get the best receiver in the draft, they will in all likelihood be there at pick 13, might even be there at pick 15. So how about if Jackson Smith and Jigba is there? You could trade out Garrett Wilson for Jackson Smith and Jigba and get Aaron Rodgers in that deal. That's not like the craziest 
scenario in the world. Not happening. 0% chance, 0.00, negative percent chance that it's going to happen. But just like a fun, like, what if for me? And we'll just end that piece of it right there. So no chance of happening. Garrett Wilson, Quinton Williams, Sauce Gardner, Brees Hall, and Alan Lazard. All right. Very unlikely players, players that I do not think will happen. You could make an argument for it in some capacity. I just really don't see them happening. One is Carl Lawson. That's a name I've seen talked about a little bit. He's currently on a one year, or like if he was traded, he would have one year, 15.4 million remaining on his deal. He's 28 years old. I don't personally see him as a perfect fit for Green Bay's defense. And I don't see him being a player that when we talk about that 2024, 2025, 2026 window that fits in that perfectly, even if he comes in and plays really, really well, now you got to give a long-term deal to a 29-year-old player next year. I don't see him having incentive of signing some sort of long-term deal with Green Bay. I don't see Green Bay having incentive to do that. So I would say the Jets probably want Carl Lawson this upcoming season to compete this upcoming year. So Carl Lawson doesn't make sense. Another player that I've seen talked about is a player that the Jets just traded for, and that's Chuck Clark, the safety that they acquired from the Ravens. Now, they barely gave up anything for Chuck Clark, so his value isn't exactly that high anyway. This would basically be a throw-in player, but the Jets traded for him. They clearly have some want and desire for Chuck Clark on their team. Meanwhile, he makes more sense for the Jets than the Packers based on that he's 28 years old, has only one year left on his deal. Meanwhile, there's $4.1 million on that one-year deal, a deal that you know, 4.1 million may not sound like a ton, but that's not exactly what Green Bay wants to add to their salary cap right now, especially for a one-year safety. Yes, he would be a good addition to this team based on this, the current depth of the safety position. It just, just doesn't it doesn't fit the, the smell test for me. I just don't see that happening. And I think he makes much more sense with the Jets in 2023. So those are my very unlikely play, players, Carl Lawson and Chuck Clark. All right, next up, is the some players that are possible, but it's very complicated and I still think very unlikely. I'll start with Zach Wilson. Yes, could you potentially do some sort of Aaron Rodgers for Zach Wilson swap? You could. It just doesn't make sense for either side. Jordan Love is your young developmental quarterback. Adding another Zach Wilson to that mix just doesn't make a ton of sense at this point. For the Jets, Aaron Rodgers, probably a one-year investment. You have to keep some young quarterback and we know the connection that Rodgers and Wilson have. So your hope if you're the Jets, if you want any sort of ROI in that previous number two pick is to keep, you know, get Rodgers for this year, keep Wilson around, hope Wilson picks up a couple things from Aaron, that Aaron mentors him a little bit. And that if Aaron does retire this upcoming season after this, after this one year with the Jets, that you still have a Zach Wilson to turn to, who's hopefully a better version of himself. It just makes more sense for him to stay on the Jets than it would be for him to go to Green Green Bay. Makai Becton is another one, a player that didn't has not turned out according to plan for the Jets, another missed top pick for them so far. That said, the Jets' offensive line isn't that deep, isn't that talented, and the Jets very much may try to get the most out of Becton that they can this upcoming season rather than moving on. He's also probably a true left tackle, which you still have David Bakhtiari at that spot. You still have a Yash Nyman. You've got a Zach Tom. And Green Bay could be in the market for a offensive tackle early in the draft as well. So to me, also just makes more sense with the Jets. Elijah Vera Tucker, much better at this point than Mekhi Becton, but the Jets offensive line, far from stellar. Their best, arguably their best offensive lineman, Elijah Vera Tucker. It just makes no sense for the Jets to trade him away at this point. Punter, Braden Mann, who is on the trade block. Could make some sense as they throw in. However, the Packers basically just uh, moved forward with Pat O'Donnell and didn't restructure him with his roster bonus so far. So it looks like 
Pat O'Donnell is probably going to be your punter this upcoming year. So acquiring one in a trade doesn't make all that much sense. And then you have the two Michael Carters, the running back and the cornerback. Michael Carter, the cornerback, good player, like him a lot. But Green Bay has three corner, really four corners already in Nixon, Douglas, and then Stokes and Jair. So adding a key piece, key piece of this as a defensive or like a corner in this situation probably doesn't make the most sense. And the Jets are going to want him for this upcoming run this upcoming year. And then Michael Carter, the running back. Remember that Brees Hall coming off a torn ACL. I really like Michael Carter. I would love Michael Carter, the running back to be included in the deal in some capacity. Loved him coming out of college, but they're going to want some insurance in case Brees has a little bit of a, you know, uptick in, in trying to get back into play, you know playing shape and things like that. If he's going to take a little bit of time to recover from that ACL, I'm not sure where he's at with his recovery, but they probably want a little bit of insurance there just in case. And the Packers have Jones and Dylan this upcoming year, almost assuredly will draft a running back on day three of the draft at worst. So Michael Carter getting him in that deal doesn't do much for Green Bay and it hurts the Jets as well. So Zach Wilson, Mekhi Becton, Elijah Vera Tucker, Braden Mann, and the two Michael Carters, possible but complicated and unlikely. I just don't see those happening. You didn't have a list of three players that I would consider throw-ins in this deal where you're maybe you're just a little bit off in compensation and Green Bay just says, all right, we'll throw that player in as well. The first one isn't even that. It's wor- it's less than that. But Chris Streveler, the quarterback for the Jets, you're going to have Aaron Rodgers as your one, Zach Wilson as your two. You're probably going to maybe draft somebody on day three or maybe bring in a veteran that can be a backup should something happen to Aaron. Chris Streveler is not that guy. Meanwhile, Green Bay does not want to put, I don't think, any real money into that backup position. I expect them to draft somebody, but you at least would get somebody who is on a very minimal deal, who has some backup experience, who's actually played in the NFL and can come in and compete for a potential backup spot this year. It would be a zero net gain for Green Bay. It would be a zero net loss for the Jets. It doesn't even necessarily count as like a throw-in or an add-in, but you could make the argument that Streveler makes more sense as a competitive guy in Green Bay than he does actually for the Jets. So that would literally be just like, hey, take Streveler too, because we don't really need him. And we'll give you an opportunity to maybe see if he can win a backup spot with you. That would be more doing Streveler a favor than anything else. But that could be a throw-in name. Brandon Eccles, cornerback for the Jets. He's an undersized corner. He only played 69 snaps last year for the Jets. So probably not expected to be a core defensive back for them. In 2021, he was a sixth round pick. He's on a cheap contract. He had a 9.14 RAS score coming out of college, which means he is extremely athletic, 91st percentile plus at corner. We know how Brian Gutekunst views these, you know, these special type athletes and he has been a core special teams player for them. So we know Green Bay is going out and Rich Passaccia is basically uh, Thanos collecting the infinity special teams players at this point. Maybe Brandon Eccles is a player that they say, hey, you know what? We'll take him as at the back end of this deal. And the Jets might be like, all right, we're not going to hold up this deal for Brandon Eccles. Go ahead, take him. And that could be a throw-in type of player. The other one is Chaz Surratt. Same basically basic thing here is Eccles. He has an 8.47 RAS score coming out of college. He was a third round pick by the Vikings in 2021, has a extremely cheap contract, has never played on defense in a regular season game for the Vikings or the Jets. He's played 109 snaps on special teams, so hasn't had a real opportunity there. Although PFF does has, have a very good grade on him in special teams on those 109 snaps. Green Bay doesn't have a ton of depth at inside linebacker. That could be another player that you're just like, you know what, throw him in and we would like to take a flyer with him. And once again, I don't think the Jets are going to be like, 
man, we're just not going to throw in Chaz Surratt. To, like, we're going to hold this thing up so we don't have to give him up. He would just literally be a throw-in player at that point. And the last but not least, this could be a player that's on your like legit list, but I'm going to throw him in as a throw-in in this situation as well, and that's Denzel Mims. He's got one year, 1.35 left on his contract. He's a former second round pick, 26 years old. He's played a thousand snaps in three years and he's basically done nothing. He's fallen out of favor in New York. He's never really gained favor in New York. And this is a team that could have Odell Beckham. They could have Alan Lazard. They could have Corey Davis. They could have Randall Cobb. They could have, you know, um, Elijah Moore, like they could have Garrett Wilson, like they could have a plethora of receivers. They just don't even need Denzel Mims anymore at this point. Meanwhile, I I don't think he has real value for Green Bay because as I mentioned, he has one year left on his deal. So yes, if he goes out for this upcoming season and he absolutely kills it, that's great. If you're Green Bay, you found a receiver that's really, really good. But what do you have to do next year? You have to give him a huge contract right away because he killed it for one year in Green Bay. So, and, and the odds that he does that are really, really slim. Like I said, he's got one year only left on his deal. He's 26. So there's some upside there that I think is still untapped. And if you get him as a throw in, great. But I don't think you're like, uh, if the Jets are being like, well, we're going to give you Denzel Mims and that has a ton of value, I think Green Bay's going to be just like, keep your Denzel Mims. We don't need him that bad. If you want to throw him in, we'll take him, but that's not going to move the needle all that far for us. So uh, again, Strevler. Brandon Eccles, Chaz Surratt, and Denzel Mims, some potentially throw-ins in the deal for Green Bay. And that brings us, last but not least, to our legit list of players that could come back from the Jets in this situation. I will start with Corey Davis. I am not a fan of including Corey Davis, as I've mentioned before on this show. In this deal, I don't think he fits the timeline all that well. Right now, if you would trade for him, you would have one year, 10.5 million remaining, which would need to be restructured. He doesn't really have much overall trade value. The Jet, the one thing that's weird to me is that the Jets have not cut him yet. The Jets probably should have cut him by now based on the salary cap savings that they can get by tra- by cutting him or trading him. It's the same. So I know some people are like, well, Green Bay's going to, or the Jets are going to have to throw in some contract value to make up for this. They gain nothing by trading away Corey Davis that they couldn't by cutting Corey Davis. So there's no real benefit there. I do think the plus side, if you're looking at this, is he's been a pretty darn good wide receiver. He knows the system a little bit because he played with Matt LaFleur in Tennessee. He's a solid veteran wide receiver, still only 28 years old, and he would be a very nice mentor for the wide receivers on the roster, the Christian Watsons, the Romeo Dobbs, the uh, Samori Toure's, etc. So I do think at some point Green Bay probably needs to add a veteran. I just don't know that you're ultimately going to want to trade for a player that you immediately need to work, you need to do the heavy lifting of working out a negotiation with him. And here's the thing. If you can't figure out a contract restructure that makes sense in some sort of renegotiation, you know what you have to do? You just have to cut him. So it could be part of it. And maybe that's something that's taking long is that Green Bay's trying to work out a restructured contract with Corey Davis. If you would accept a, you know, if everyone would accept a deal for Corey Davis to Green Bay, and that's going to be worked out ahead of time. But Green Bay having to do the heavy lifting there for a player that, like I said, probably doesn't fit their timeline anyway. I, I don't know. I'm not a fan of it, but I, it could make some sense and he could be a legitimate player in that trade. Another wide receiver that we've talked a little bit already is Elijah Moore. We talked already about the wide receivers that the Jets could have on their roster. They could have Odell Beckham. They could have Alan Lazard, Randall Cobb. They could have Garrett, or they will have Garrett Wilson and Denzel Mims still on the roster. They could have so many different wide receivers that Elijah Moore, who was already a little bit upset about playing time, has had a little bit of a falling out with the Jets. 
he could get to camp and be like, there's no opportunity for me really to play. That's not setting itself up to be the best possible situation for Elijah Moore and the Jets. And the Jets might just be like, this actually makes sense for us to move on from Elijah at this point and go in a different direction. He has value for Green Bay. I would really like a Christian Watson, Romeo Dobbs, Elijah Moore trio at wide receiver that has a lot of potential. Bring them all up together with Jordan Love. You're on the same timeline really with all of those wide receivers. And he had an 8.69 RAS score coming out of college, still on a very cheap contract, two years of controllable seasons. And like I said, I really like that potential core at wide receiver moving forward with Elijah Moore on the team. So that is another player who could make sense in a trade coming back from the Jets. Next one is Jordan Whitehead, the safety. Now, this is a little bit of an interesting one. He's 26 years old. He does have one year, 7.25 remaining on his contract, which isn't ideal for Green Bay. What you'd basically need to do if you traded for him is probably sign him to some sort of long-term extension. Now, he's 26 years old, so if you want to sign him to a three, four-year deal, that's great. But in that situation, the agent has a lot of leverage because they're like, you just traded for my client. And are you really just going to give up on him after one season if you don't sign him for a big deal? Are you going to let him walk in free agency? So, you know, hint, hint, nudge, nudge. I want a little bit more in that deal than I maybe wanted yesterday. That, that your price just went up because you traded for my client and now you really need to find a way to keep him on the team. So Green Bay having to do the heavy lifting there doesn't make a ton of sense. His last three years of PFF scores, 70.0, 70.7, 66.1. So he's been a good safety and he'd immediately be the Packers' best safety, but it's not like he's been this huge playmaking safety that's been absolutely amazing, like a can't miss sort of guy. And all of a sudden paying him $7.25 million on this year's contract, having to work out a restructure, a renegotiation, or you know maybe even sign him to an extension, having to do that heavy lifting immediately, I don't think makes a ton of sense for Green Bay. But like I said, he'd immediately be Green Bay's best safety at a major position of need. And I think there is an opportunity to maybe just acquire him and sign him to some sort of extension as well. So that is another player who could make some sense. The next one on my list is Michael Clemens. You may not be as familiar with Michael Clemens. He was a fourth round pick just last year in 2022, pick 117 overall. He's a 6'5", 270 pound edge rusher, played only 311 snaps last year for the Jets, had a 78.7 PFF grade. So they loved what he put on tape a season ago. He did show a lot of promise and potential in those 311 snaps. He has three years remaining on his rookie deal at a super cheap price. Speaking of those RAS scores, had a 8.97 RAS score, so basically an 89th percentile player at the position. And we know that Green Bay has some need on the edge. They would have, I think actually Clemens and Enigbare would actually make a very, very good, uh, basically like a platoon. You've got Clemens who's a little bit bigger, more physical. You've got um, Enigbare who's more of a pass rush specialist at this point of his career. Those two would platoon well. You've got Preston Smith on the other side for now. And then once Rashawn Gary's 100% ready to go, it's going to be Gary and Preston. And then you have two really good depth pieces with Clemens as well as Enigbari. And then that would also give you Rashawn Gary and Clemens and Enigbari moving into the future when you ultimately move on from Preston Smith, probably after this upcoming season. Now, fourth round pick just a season ago, played well in spare, in spare minutes or spare snaps. I do think that the Jets probably just want to hang on to that player. If Green Bay wanted to say like, hey, we really want that guy, it's probably going to cost Green Bay and that's probably going to be a pretty big piece of the deal. I'm not sure Green Bay is going to want to do that, but he does make some sense if Green Bay wanted to go in that direction. Next up is the third round pick that I 
hinted at earlier. That is tight end Jeremy Ruckert from Ohio State, was a third round pick just in 2022. He was a top 100 prospect out of the draft. He was picked 101 overall by the Jets. However, he only played 48 snaps and only had one catch a season ago, so he barely did anything. Here's the thing. He's buried behind CJ Ozama as well as Tyler Conklin at the tight end position. And it's well within the realm of possibility that the Jets go out and get Mercedes Lewis as well. So he could be behind Uzama, Conklin, and Mercedes Lewis in 2023. And Green Bay is in desperate need of tight ends. By the way, the Jets also have Kenny Yaboa. So they they could have four tight ends on their roster ahead of Ruckert. Green Bay in desperate need. And Green Bay should be taking some of these flyers on some talented, you know, young players who still have some upside and potential at positions of need who could be good a couple of years down the road with, with a little bit of development, love care etc. So Ruckert very much could make sense for Green Bay, has a much better opportunity to play in Green Bay, and is a little bit buried on the depth chart, especially if the Jets would go out and get Mercedes Lewis. So he could be another player that makes most you know sense for really for both sides in this situation. And that leaves one player left, and that is Jermaine Johnson. I very much believe that the Jets are going to be extremely hesitant to trade away Johnson. However, we just talked about Michael Clemens. He actually could be a player that he played so well as a fourth round pick on the edge a season ago that it does give them some feeling that maybe they could move on from Johnson. They had basically four, almost four first round picks a season ago, all of which hit in Sauce Gardner, Garrett Wilson, Jermaine Johnson, and then Brees Hall was an early second round pick. All four were amazing. It was an incredible draft for the Jets. Johnson wasn't supposed to fall that far. They could look at Johnson as like he was almost like a bonus from a season ago. And then Michael Clemens that they got in the fourth round can basically be the substitute for him. They have the depth that they need at the position right now. So it's not like he, Jermaine Johnson is part of this. He is a part of it, but not a massive part of this win now scenario for the Jets. And the Jets could ultimately say, you know what? Having future draft assets is going to give us outs if all of a sudden this season doesn't work. We don't want to give up pick 13 this year. Johnson was good, but it wasn't like he was amazing. Jermaine Johnson could be a player that just makes a common sense compromise between both teams. Get first round pick a season ago, fell further than most expected, only had 312 snaps in 2022 with a 71.7 PFF grade in those 312 snaps, had a 9.22 RAS score coming out, so 92nd percentile athlete at the position. As mentioned earlier with Michael Clemens, you have Rashawn Gary coming off of injury, you've got Preston Smith probably with one year left with the Packers, and Nick Barry still developing in the strength department, so he's not a well-rounded overall edge rusher yet. You're hoping he can become that, but probably more of a pass rush specialist. Johnson would be able to come in and be a bit of a more of an overall edge rusher. Johnson and Smith can be your starters until Gary's ready to play. And then once again, long-term, you've got Gary and Johnson with Enigbari as your number three. That is a really, really good trio as a long-term pass rush group. So makes sense for the Packers. Could make sense for the Jets if they really want to hold on to all of their assets, especially pick 13 this upcoming year. So Johnson could make sense, especially for the Packers in this scenario. So those are all the players that I think could be potentially heading Green Bay. Just a reminder, the, the ones that I said, no chance. Garrett Wilson, Quinnen Williams, Sauce Gardner, Brees Hall, and Alan Lazard. Very unlikely. Carl Lawson and Chuck Clark. Possible, but complicated and unlikely. Zach Wilson, Mekhi Becton, Elijah Vera Tucker, Braden Mann, Michael Carter, and Michael Carter II. Some potential throw-ins. Chris Streveler, Brandon Eccles, Chaz Surratt, and Denzel Mims. And then your legit list. Corey Davis, Elijah Moore, Jordan Whitehead, Michael Clemens, Jeremy Ruckert, and last but not least, Jermaine Johnson. That is going to do it for me today. Really appreciate you joining me. Make sure to hit subscribe if you have not already. I'll see you guys tomorrow, but until next time, and as always, go Pack Go.
When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. And if you have a lot of mailing to do, Stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. Mail checks, invoices, documents, and everything you need to keep your business running. Get rates up to 89% off USPS and UPS. And with the mobile app, you can take care of mailing on the go. Make the same no-brainer decisions as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Sign up at Stamps.com with code PROGRAM for a special offer. That's Stamps.com, code PROGRAM.